Welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams, and we are live in Marco Island at the 35th International Maintenance Conference. And my guest right now is none other. Seems like he's my guest like every week, honestly. Like, we're, we really talk like way too often. All right. So, um, none other than Blair Frazier from UE Systems. Blair, welcome. George, thanks for having me, buddy. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to talk. It is. We do. I seem to follow you around. I grab those coattails behind George, and I just follow. It's like <laughs> drifting behind a truck. That's what I do in my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it? <laughs> so we, we, we tend to have conversations regarding, you know, uh, IOT and how things are connected and all those things. Um, UE Systems is an ultrasound company what what's the connection so here's the thing and we're, we're starting to see the evolution of things getting connected to things right and and that's that's what really attracts me to to this industry we're in and ultrasound like no other is no other technology is traditionally a route based technology that's how we grew up that's how we cut our teeth that's how we made uh, our mark on the world is people putting technology into people's hands right and and it didn't take long to see the evolution of that technology is is you know, people are our most valuable resources. And I believe our biggest challenge in reliability is not training, it has an impact, it's not technology, of course it has an impact, it's time. It's time, we just never have enough time to do what we need to do. So that's the advent of, of IoT and where it comes in. So what we're trying to do is take less onus on the people and take out the, the non-value added tasks that people add. We're, we're, we're really proficient at walking. Like we got pretty good at it over our years, right? But it's not adding value into our organization unless we're looking for specific things. So what we wanted to do was was take our ultrasound technology and figure out how we can you know, permanently connect them or connect the user remotely to that technology. Excellent. So now you're in. You, you guys are mounting. Um, the devices and collecting data and analyzing that centrally? That's right. It, it essentially is a different word because, uh, you know, I, in it, so you take a look at our, our OnTrack Smart Lube, which you know, it, we knew it would have an impact in the market, not to the level that we all anticipated though, and, and because it was around simplicity. So what we do is we're, we take our ultrasound sensor, right, which is measuring, the way I describe it, it's measuring that friction in a bearing 24 seconds, right? It's simple as that. It's, it's a very simplistic value that's coming out of it, but gives us a lot of information. And we paired that with the single point lubricator to tell it when to lubricate, so how much to lubricate and when to, or when to lubricate and how much, right? It needs grease, okay, now stop, right? And you think about what happens in the between, and in between, from our on-track point of view, there's logic in there um, that we teach around ultrasound guided best practices for lubrication, right? So make sure the friction is not going up while you're lubricating because that's an indication you're overfilling the grease and things like that. So there's an intellectual property in there, but the, the, the how of, of, of you know, how information is sent from the sensor to the on-track, from the on-track to the single point lubricator, up into the cloud, or if you want to use your own platform, that's nothing special. The, the, you know, and I, I say this openly, like that that's the way systems should be built, that if you want to send it to here, go ahead. Right, right. Right, you want that. I don't want your data. I'll be the first one to say, I don't want, there's a lot of responsibility with data. Yeah. I don't want your data. I would rather not host your data. I think that's I, interesting. You know, it, we're, we're in a, we're at a kind of a crossroads where we still have different languages for the database side of things. We don't necessarily need software integration to collect those data pieces centrally, but it, it'd be nice if they were all open source. And so what you're saying is, you know, your organization from the data perspective, this is open source. I mean, if you want to dump it in Pi, dump it in Pi. You want to dump yeah. it in. We got, we got data going everywhere, right? right. And that's the point, because 
any any time, you know, with data comes a lot of responsibility, <laughs> right? I don't want to maintain user access. And if right, you right. fire somebody, you got to tell me like, ooh, that's a lot of responsibility. Now, our data is not, it's not intellectual property. No one's going to steal your quote unquote secret spa sauce from lubricating your bearings, right? You know what I mean? So there's, <laughs> it's not intellectual property in that data. But again, I, I we, we do have a platform. We're more than happy to host it for you. So if you want ease of access and a user interface built specifically for this, bring it wherever you want, right? And the term is interoperability. And essentially that's what it is. It's just open source. Like meaning take the data where, you know, everyone, in my opinion, I shouldn't say everyone, but there's a lot of companies, whether you're in a specific, you know, uh, uptime element domain or not, they're trying to build this ecosystem where, okay, but we'll also take this data from this sensor and bring it in here, which, which is which is fine. But our, our specialty, our value at UE Systems is not data warehousing, right? Our specialty is ultrasound, and that's what we're going to focus every effort, every dollar into R&D in to make sure that we're going to invest in ultrasound, the latest and greatest, and get that ultrasound data where you can apply value to it. Yeah, and I, I love the progression. So, you know, you, you like when I think about UE Systems and, and the old Ultra Probe, the, I had the analog, the 900, I think it was, right? Yeah. So I remember I remembered that, and then you know you guys moved to a more digital solution for uh, for the same for ultrasound, yeah. and then the the grease caddy came out, right? Sure, so yeah. now it's now I can hear while I'm lubricating, and I get an indicator, and even that was uh, kind of analog LEDs. That at was first, a 201, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually have one of those, and then um, and then that became digitalized, and now what you're doing is you've kind of combined that into automated lubrication and so you're using a permanently affixed grease caddy to trigger the right. appropriate um, right. lubrication so the company is consistently evolving the way i see it right and folks might just think oh yeah it's ue systems that's the ultrasound company or, you know that's where i get my ultrasound gun but but the innovation of ue systems and what you've done over the last 20 years in terms of from where you started up until this point has been it's been constant. I mean, you guys are always looking at what's next. It is, and, and what you see today happened years ago, and that's the thing, right? Is like, we got stuff, I would love, well, maybe I'll show you, George, but I'd love <laughs> to show you, you know, bring out to this audience what we have planned for next year, right? But there's there's two things. One, not 100% is gonna work, <laughs> right? That's the reality. Right, 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 right. We have to, everything works in the lab. Once you get to that lab, our industrial plants are a different story. Yeah, We've yeah. designed things that work perfectly in this environmentally controlled lab. You put it in a mine, it ain't working. Right. Right. So all that testing, all that R&D goes into it. When you see a final product, like you might see revision one, and that's revision one of a final product. It's in revision 352 of an internal product, right? Right, right. Because it failed that many different times, right? So it is an, it is an evolution and you know, add on to the supply chain challenges we're all facing of microchips and like, our, our OnTrack Smart Lube is, is capable of monitoring 16 independent bearings and lubricating them precisely from anywhere in the world. There's about you know, 40 to 50 microprocessors in one system, right. right? And there's a shortage of microprocessors across this world. So you start to think about it, right? And you start to think of how many bearings people have in a facility, 2,000 bearings, right? 2,000 times 50, right? So there's a lot of, <laughs> there's some supply chain issues that we're, that we're facing as well, which means, you know, do we try to do a different microprocessor that might be in more stock? But that's, that's behind the scenes. But the technology, absolutely. And one thing I didn't give credit to before I joined UE Systems was the commitment 
to customer experience. So ultrasound is relative, right? It's relative and first of all, it's not linear, it's a logarithmic scale. So imagine you have two ultra probes, right? And, and you're, you're detecting a bearing. Since ultrasound is relative, you don't want one ultrasound to read 40 decibels and the next one to read 10 on the exact same bearing, right? Right. So the repeatability of how they're manufactured and the quality testing they go through is our biggest strength and our biggest challenge because we want to make sure that you have accuracy as well as repeatability. Right, so right. So that right. ultra probe is not going to go out in the door unless it meets our spec. And unfortunately, because it is it is pieced together of electronics, of crystals, right? There is a challenge to make sure that it, that is soldered in the exact right location to ensure our customers have, whether you purchased that Ultra Probe 20 years ago, and hopefully you did get it calibrated over the years, you have the same results. Right. Right. And that's where the technology really comes in. So if you have a Grease Caddy, you have an Ultra Probe, you have an OnTrack Smart Loop, we want consistency across those measurements. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's the only way you can ensure that you're predicting the right things or taking the right actions, right? That's yeah. right. Very cool. So I'm excited. I don't even know what it is that you're you're talking about for next year, but I, I'm excited. I can't wait. Is that something? Um, is, do you have a specific launch time for whatever this is, or are we still way early in that phase? No, no, we we definitely do, and I keep on moving that goalpost just because of that relentless pursuit for for customer experience. And again, I don't want to release it too soon in 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 the market, but you know, there's. So you're just going to throw a carrot in front of me and I'm not but supposed to start it doesn't, it doesn't running take, and chasing? Like, so come on now. I, where's it at? Spill it, the beans. It doesn't, um, it, yeah. We partnered with Tesla and Elon Musk. To, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it, it doesn't take much of a stretch of the imagination to, to figure out, you know, as I alluded to, we're getting to more permanent mount. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and where the evolution of, go of that is going in wireless, right? And you can start to see... The advantage if you look at the on-track smart loop where would wireless start to fit in right? right and and there's also a value in when you go wireless and you get rid of the wires it's there is a catch-22 because typically you go to battery powered and energy harvesting is getting there but it's not quite where everyone wants it to be yet right um but the advantage of wireless too is also just the amount of communication you can send versus you could have on a serial connection or, or an analog connection right so you can start to bring in what I would call complementary values other than ultrasound that are right. going to support your decision making in that ultrasound. Right, right, right. right. So you can you can start to see where I'm getting at here with, with, with new sensors and, you know, from sensors to even the amount of effort we put into our single point lubricator, it often gets overlooked, right? So you have this system. Imagine, you know, whoever's listening to this, you have a plant, you're sitting at home, and you have a system out there that's going to optimally lubricate your bearing based on the friction of that bearing. One of the biggest challenges with the lubricators, and we're not a lubricator company, we're an ultrasound company, yeah. but we understood, and it's something that we've coined early on calling called remote bearing lubrication certainty. So if you're not physically at that bearing, how do you know that when the system tells that lubricator to dispense grease, that grease is actually getting to that bearing, right? And I don't know how many times you've walked around a plant, George, but you've seen those single point lubricators. Their their battery's dead, yeah, yeah. out of grease. The I, pins are all out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was literally in a facility um, two weeks ago, and I toured the facility, and it, uh, I don't want to give away any details about it, but it's an extremely old facility with equipment from the 1940s. Running like a champ. I walk around the plant, though, and they have these gigantic look like almost three gallon automatic lubricators you know yeah. central automatic lubricators yeah. on them and like distribution headers that were like you know 20 points 
and all like all but like two of the pins are sticking out. And then when I asked people about it, they had no idea what the pins even were. Like it, like it, they just didn't know, right? Exactly, and that's so. We've tried to solve a time-based issue with an automatic system that we have to put a time-based preventative maintenance plan in to check the automatic system. So it's not giving you the certainty we asked for. Right. So the common problems is, well, how much grease is left in that lubricator? We solved that because we're communicating it every every time it makes an action. We're commanding it to whether you're just purging it. And there's nuances. If you're in food and bed, which I'm sure you've seen by no fault of its own, or maybe a little bit of fault, you know, there might end up being some wash down water in those bearings. Might there might be might just a be. drop or two. Might be. Right? So do you have do you have a setting for purge the water? So, yeah. So here's <laughs> the thing. So you, you literally, yeah, you have to purge the purge the grease and the water out. And by doing that, your friction is going to skyrocket. Your temperature is going to skyrocket. But we know. Right? Ideally, you design that out where you don't blast high-pressure water into a bearing. But what? <laughs> but um, right. So we know. Okay, I got to purge this bearing. My friction is going to suck. It's going to be high, and we've seen that for up to like an hour or two before it actually drops back down. Right? And purge ports and things like that. So we want to make sure that there's grease in the the cartridge at all times. So at any point in time, any systems I'm connected to, I can see how much grease is remaining. So I can also plan. Okay, I'm getting low. I need to replace that. Um, I can see. Um, when I'm lubricating, to the second when grease is hitting my bearing, because we're monitoring that friction in real time, even our smallest dose is 0.33 um, cc's, which is like a, it's, it's, it's what you wipe off the tip of a grease gun from a rounding error, right? So even that little, whether the bearing needs lubrication, you're over lubricating, you're under lubricating, we see an instant change in that friction if bearing is hitting. So we know whether you remote this lubricator um, you know, directly on grease fitting or it's 20 feet away which can happen right you got to get it out of harm's way you want to be able to service it so it's got to push all the way through that grease line right we know to the second that grease is hitting the bearing it's something we call the aha moment so when our on-track smart loose system is applying grease and you're watching it which is it's kind of fun to do it's kind of like gamification of it you kind of see you see your friction you're saying okay system's lubricating and you you see you know 0.33 go in and what's interesting is you'll actually our system goes into what we call fast sample mode. So instead of taking data every minute, it's taking every second. So we want to see that. Right. What we'll actually see, if you watch it, that friction will increase the moment grease hits that bearing because it hits the top, typically, right. depending on the size of the bearing, right? It hits the top of the bearing and the rolling elements have to push it around. Right. So instantly, you're going to have an increase in friction and then you'll see it decrease and it drops like a stone. And that's what we call the aha moment. Yeah, that's awesome. There's a different term. It's usually a, a swear where it starts with an S when people start to see it, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's like, oh! I'm like, that's my bearing? I'm like, that's your bearing. You're not doing anything? <laughs> nope, that's literally the friction in your bearing dropping, right? That's so cool. So we can tell, making sure through remote grease line that grease is getting the bearing. And the other thing is um, back pressure. So how many times have you seen these where they get mounted external and there's a there's some reason it's caked on, it's uh, over top of a steam line, right? There's back pressure. Right. Happened for two reasons. One, there's back pressure in the bearing, some duct build up, or the, the, the lubrication line's plugged, right? Worst case scenario with traditional single point lubricators is they'll just keep on pumping until either the lubricator is going to go or your bearing seals are going to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your best scenario is probably your lubricator blows up, right? So what we do is we monitor that back pressure. So if it senses that back pressure, it'll stop lubricating, right? 
yes, you have to get off your butt at that point and walk out into the field. Yeah, because you don't know why. You don't right, know right. why, yeah. right? We're not getting into this is the exact reason, right? But at least, you know, if it ever gets disconnected from maintenance and sitting on the floor, we just want to sit there and dispense grease on the floor, and by the time you go check it, you got 250 cc. But, a, but an floor. email or an alarm in the software is still way better than the pin is out, and I have to do rounds to go see the pin yeah, right. that I don't even know about anyway, so I just walk by it for the, you know, forever. Yeah, and we have, so we have two modes with the, the on-track smart lube, and, and well, it's actually three. We have manual where you hit the lubricate button and regardless of the bearing condition, regardless of, so we calculate the bearing cavity size. So even with our logic and washing that friction, there are some times when there's a defect in that bearing that's going to cause that friction to remain high no matter how much grease you put in. Often we see it go down and it'll come back up again, right? So we don't want to sit there and pump in grease trying to lower that friction and right. you just end up filling the bearing, right? So it'll stop and say, listen, it's going to say it more eloquent than I'm going to say it, but listen, this grease, is, the bearing's full. <laughs> right. Stop putting right. grease in it. Right? But manual mode, it ignores all logic. You can do that. We've seen customers use it for failures to nurse it. Just please get through the night. Please get through the night. And you can nurse a bearing through failure with lubrication to reduce the heat, to reduce the friction. You're wasting a lot of grease, but it's often it, it's, it's more advantageous than the equipment failing right then. Um, we have assist mode, which is going to flag you. It's going to say, hey, George, bearing 101s needs lubrication. Do you want me to go ahead and lubricate it? So we've put that person stop gap. So it's not going to just start greasing in the middle of the night, right? It's going to send you an email, right? Um, and then you have to give her permission to say, you know what? Yeah, go ahead and grease because I want to watch you. I'm going to watch over your shoulder. I'm going to watch everything you do. And you can see the steps as it's going through. It's going to stabilize. It's going to put a little bit of grease in. It's going to wait. It's going to wait. And it's going to wait. It's going to wait till it sees a change in friction. And then it's going to make that decision to go again, right? And it's really that intellectual property, that logic that we patented, right? Of how, how long to wait based on the bearing size, based on the turning speed, because it's slow speed. It takes a while to move that grease around, right? Right, right, right. It's not uncommon for you know, a two to four inch pillow block bearing through a grease um, or a relubrication to take 30, 40 minutes with the smart loop because it's waiting, but it's not wasting your time. It's doing it on the side, right? So um, you've given it permission. And the, and the next one is automatic where you, once you're comfortable with the system and people want to get to automatic right away, I want to do it, I want to do it. I said, that's good. I'd rather you wait and get trust in the system. Just all I'm asking is get an email. It doesn't mean on, on you know, Thursday night, you get an email saying this bearing needs lubrication. Chances are it's, it's, it's at the earliest point of needing lubrication. Typically you're doing it time-based and you wouldn't have lubricated for another month anyways, or you've already been lubricating it too much. So just wait, wait until you get into the work the next business day, I don't care if it's on a Friday, you can wait till Monday and just watch it go through at steps. Build confidence in that system. And when you're comfortable with it, flip the switch. Right. And right. then what's, what's unique is, you know, I, I, people send me screen captures of, of the text messages they get. Like, look at this, Blair, it lubricated four bearings for me today. And it, it shows you, you know, when it was lubricated, how much grease was used, the starting and ending friction, right? And of course, who did it? Right. Right. Um, so, you know, they get really excited about these emails you know, and they start saying, I would have had to send a technician out there to go lubricate this bearing and it was already done for Or me. not, because they wouldn't even have known it needed it, right? Well, I mean, I, they'd be guessing when to do it and how much to put in. That's right, yeah. Or the, the, uh, the yeah, I lubricated it in the Zerk. There's, there's no grease <laughs> in the Zerk, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That never happens, Yeah, ever. So, so people talk to me, you know, when, when, we, when we designed this, because ultrasound guided lubrication you know, typically is around 30% savings in grease consumption, right? Which, which you're in specialty, you know, you have high temp grease, food-based, you know, that adds up, right? Oh, yeah, so no doubt. That, that's good, right? And the whole point of it is is to save our bearings, which is good. And we're starting to build those stats. And now, bearing failure is not acute from lubrication. Unfortunately, it wears over time, right? So we're starting to build up and see the benefit of optimal bearing lubrication. 
the main benefit people are coming to us with is not those, right? And, that, and that's that, to me, that's an easy ROI. It's the what we calculate around a 95% savings in manual lubrication tasks. I'm not having right. to go out there, and it, it's that it's what they do with that 95% of time. That's right, of course. It. Right, yeah. and the one person said it to me best. He goes, you know what? I look up the screen. We're starting to see our, our dashboards on in shops and stuff like that, right? And it's the maintenance managers, the reliability superintendent that says the biggest benefit to me is certainty. I know my bearings are covered. I got other stuff I got to work. Right, right. It's just like it's one less thing off my mind knowing your systems. And that's interesting that that's their perspective on it. And you know, for me, I'm in my head. I'm thinking, well most organizations are not very good at bearing lubrication and this cuts through all of the we not that it's not important but it cuts through all of the get people's educations level up and get them to properly do it you, you just take it away right, right. so you've eliminated the need to have um, you know that that specialty skill and or that knowledge to get them to stop the bad practices. You just simply, uh, let's take it all away. You've eliminated the human we'll, error. Yeah, 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 you, you, exactly. You, you literally have, you've, you've taken out the human error. And then, you know, there's the, the great recession and, and the you know, issue we're facing in maintenance reliability with a lack of people. Yeah. And it's only gonna get harder and harder to, to train people up, right? And the, the part, in, and especially as AI starting to come in and we're seeing spot you know, with, with devices onto a spot, walking around our plants and doing things, right? Yeah, yeah. So the whole point of that is not to replace humans. It's to make sure that we can focus on more value-added tasks that involves more cognitive thinking and, and, and uh, some emotion into it, right? The reality is walking up to a grease port and squeezing a grease gun, probably not the best use of our time as yeah. human beings, yeah, right? Yeah. It, it yeah. isn't. There's, there's got to be something else we can do with our time. No doubt. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let me tell you, it, as always, this has been a phenomenal conversation. You're always a great guest to have on, and there's always like the next thing already in my head that we need to talk about. So, Blair, thank you so much for your time and being on Practical Reliability. Always a pleasure, George. Thanks for having me. Excellent, excellent. So for, Bra for Blair Frazier, I'm George Williams, live at the 35th International Maintenance Conference, Practical Reliability in Connection with Reliability Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. Go make tomorrow better than today. Where do you go to improve your skill sets in asset management, maintenance, reliability, IIoT, digital twins, and all things surrounding reliability? Well, there's only one place you can go. The 36th International Maintenance Conference, IMC 2022. Learn from the world's best-run companies and leaders who provide a new view of maintenance, reliability, and asset management that results in attendees discovering new ways to advance their organizations that had not occurred to them in the past. Who participates at IMC? Everybody, duh. Asset managers, reliability leaders, maintenance professionals, operations managers, CEOs, they're all there. 
It is the place to be in 2022 to increase your learning and get value that you can immediately apply back at your job. Want more information on the International Maintenance Conference and IMC 2022? Visit www.reliabilityweb.com events and click on the IMC icon.